the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everybody in between. We are indeed. Um, before we get into today's episode, Ben, we've had some amazing feedback on our last episode which was about did Hitler die in 1945. We did this amazing interview with a really interesting guy called Gerard Williams, who um, uh, was on Hunting Hitler, the history series, and wrote a book and made a film called Grey Wolf about the fact that uh, he's come across lots of evidence that suggests that Adolf Hitler... Uh, went to live in Argentina after the war rather than died in the bunker, as we all thought. Uh, we, we had some really good feedback from people about that podcast. A uh, couple of examples. Just Steve on Twitter says, at TQM Podcast, this week's podcast is bloody fascinating. Fantastic guest, really engrossing. And he gave us a thumbs up, which is great. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, Lula Ranger left us uh, a review. Uh, it said, holy cow, this was fantastic, well done, which is really great. I I know we always go on about how lovely it is when people write nice messages and give us great reviews, but um, yeah, very British of us. We find it slightly embarrassing, but I feel that one, it was really interesting interviewing interviewing Gerard, and um, it's great to have some positive feedback for that episode, I think. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. And and again, I think Ger- Gerard would be really pleased to hear that as well because, like, a bit like us, this isn't, you know, this isn't something that he has really done for money. This is something that he's done because he believes it to be the truth and something that he needs to do. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that our cause is as worthy as that, but um, he very, very generously gave us his time for somebody who's so high profile. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. And thank you very much for that feedback. That is very much appreciated. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when I listened to it back, what really struck me was just how, like the facts and, the names and the people and just someone who knows their stuff so instantly do you know what I mean yes, we, yes. we we were there we did it on a zoom call I know you only heard the audio but you know it's not like he was reefing through tons of notes to no, get his no. fa- he just knows his stuff which is incredible yeah, um, yeah. well th- this is because he is a proper journalist and I think in the paranormal sphere there are a number of proper journalists and proper investigators who I do think they often get good credit but sometimes they are put into a pool with other people who are just internet researchers so you know uh, in that podcast I put him into the same bucket as for example um, Timothy Good who puts a lot of time into this but but Gerard is somebody who spent 37 years at our state broadcaster He's properly trained. He knows what he's doing. And he's come back with not just one piece of evidence, but in his book, 86 pages of evidence. Yeah. And it's it's remarkable. And, yeah, it's brilliant. Well, whatever you think about whether Hitler did die in 1945 in the bunker or not, really, if you've not heard it, have a listen to that episode because it is certainly thought-provoking and fascinating. So, yes... I'm changing the subject completely. 
we did an episode of well, a few back now on alien big cats, i.e. not necessarily alien oh, yeah. f- extraterrestrial alien, but alien yeah. big cats. And there was a story this week that I found about a big cat. Oh, really? Cat. Yes, <laughs> which is quite weird. It's a, a woman who doesn't want to be named. This was in the Sun newspaper. Uh, caught a creature taking a stroll at her home in Lark, Lark Hall, Scotland, at roughly 3.50 a.m. on Saturday morning. A short video clip filmed through her ring doorbell shows a creature moving around in the darkness. She told the son, My husband phoned me when I was in the house and asked if I saw the thing on our doorstep last night. When I had a look, I thought it must be a fox or something. But then he said, look at the size of it. Then I thought, this was absolutely massive. Um, and they believe it was a puma in Scotland. A wild puma that had walked up to their door. I don't think it pressed the doorbell. I think it was just caught on the footage. <laughs> um, it didn't have a pizza. Pumas are not native to the UK, but experts previously estimated that there are up to 250 of the large predators in the wild in the UK. That's really interesting. Did I tell you about the time that I was in... I stayed in a yurt on the edge of the River Spey. Right. Did, and so this was when, I, when my dog was a puppy and uh, we were up there for the whiskey festival... And because um, we were camping, we'd bought a load of meat and, you know, barbecue products. And because this was our first puppy together, we'd gone and collected from the butcher where we bought the meat. We bought, we got him some big ribs and they were like, like maybe five times the size of him. And we were handing them to him and he was running off into the long grass and chewing them as dogs do. And it was it was cold at night, and so he, he would leave his bones outside at night and come in the uh, in the yurt with us, and he would actually sleep between us. And uh, like being a gentleman of a certain age, I would get up in the middle of the night to have a wee, and you know the, it's a wild wee because you, you're miles away from wherever, and the dog would come out for a wild wee. And he would just roam around, have a you know, have a four o'clock chew on his bones, and then come back into the bed. On the day of leaving, we were there for five nights. On the day of leaving, the owner said, "Oh, have you um, seen the puma?" "No. What? What do you mean the puma?" "Oh, have a look at the visitors book." We looked at the visitors book. Oh my God! Pretty much everyone was writing about. Oh, we saw the paw prints. Um, we heard it coming round. Oh, like, oh my God! I've just let my tiny Talk. puppy. He would have had that, run right? out. Oh, it, oh, the puma would have had it for breakfast. I mean, he's a small King Charles spaniel. He was, he fitted in my hand. But even me, I was going out there, <laughs> terrified, having yeah, a yeah. wee in a bush. <laughs> yeah. Like, I could have been, you know, you could have been castrated. Yeah. I got this vision though of you kind of getting up in the night and the fire's still going and there's a puma just toasting marshmallows on your fire. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. But yeah, uh, uh, that's that's super interesting. I do think, yeah, I do think they're around. They're around, definitely. Well, check yeah. check out both those episodes. They're very different. Did Hitler die in 1945 and uh, Alien Big Cats, but uh, go and check them out. Um, uh, so we had that great guest last week, uh, Gerard, the great guest. And we, we've got another guest this week. We're on a run. We've not had one for some for a while, but we've got another guest this week, right, Ben? Yes, and this is our first listener. We've never had a listener before. Yes, so uh, we've got. So basically, the idea behind this, we did a, another episode a while back about the Hat Man and sleep paralysis, and we thought it would be a topic that we'd return to. Uh, and this uh, one of our listeners got in contact and has a couple of amazing stories uh, that tie in to sleep paralysis and what may be going on. I mean, there is a sound scientific explanation but there are kind of weirdness of what people see and people seeing the same things we did put a shout out for if anyone had any stories that they wanted to share and she came back with an um well a couple of amazing stories which we we're going to get into in a second um but the main thing about melanie who we're going to speak to is both when ben and i read uh, a kind of Tracy of the uh, of what happened to Melanie, it just reminded us of the Hat Man. So, Ben, maybe if you can remind our listeners about our Hat Man episode and, and what the Hat Man's about. Yeah, the Hat Man is one of those really enigmatic paranormal things. It is an entity that appears to people no matter what their culture, no matter where they are in the world. And it almost seems to be almost like a sub-derivation of the shadow people. But it is something that is generally seen, as I say, usually in shadow. It comes to people in experiences which could be called sleep paralysis. It comes to people in experiences where it could be called an apparition. But the main thing about it is, and really peculiarly, it's an entity that is wearing a fedora. And that is what marks it out. And round the world, people have been seeing this figure. And in the episode that we did, I sort of pulled on a thread that was, um, I think it was quite fanciful, but the idea was that maybe it was uh, an ex-CIA type person who had been misplaced due to the Philadelphia experiment. I mean, no, by no means saying that that is what it is but that was a really interesting idea that was put forward by somebody so it's you know that's the reason why we have sort of this 1940s dressed figure but and suits suits is a big thing you know people always describe it in a suit which is interesting Uh, and that sort of big 1940s overcoat i think at the at the time i described it as being like a silhouette of somebody who was um uh, a gumshoe detective kind of uh, character. But I've, I've never heard it from the horse's mouth. And this is the very first time we've ever had a listener on the show, right? Melanie, maybe you want to start. I, I, you did tell us one of the first stories you talked about was when you were a child and some of the strange things that happened there. So, you know, it might be interesting to start with that, to give us a background of when you first started to see things that you couldn't explain. Okay. um, 
Well, gosh, and I can't remember the first time that I had sleep paralysis. On I mean, I just know that I had it all through my childhood, um, through when I went to college. Um, and it, the experiences that I had, I would wake up and there would be a figure um, just in my room, kind of a shadow figure. And of course, you can't move. And um, for anybody who hasn't experienced sleep paralysis, you know, I don't know if my uh, experience is the same or different than anybody else's, but, um, you know, you're, you feel fully conscious, you know, when you're in a dream and you see something scary, um, you wake up and you think, well, you know, I was scared in the dream, but it's not necessarily as terrifying as you think it is when you're asleep and you wake up and you're like, okay, it was just a dream. But, but no, when you have sleep paralysis, I mean, you're lucid, you know, you're awake, you Mm. see something, you want to wake up, you know, you don't have dreams and want to wake up and, um, have that ability. Um, probably one of the most memorable times for me, I was staying at somebody's house. And, um, so I was in a room that was unfamiliar to me and, um, I was facing a window when I was sleeping and I woke up and the figure was at the window um, across the room from me. And of course I was terrified. I couldn't move. Um, And in those situations, I, I have come up with different um, ways to cope with it. You know, sometimes I hyperventilate because I think if I move myself enough, you know, I can wake up. Um, Other times I focus on just like little body parts, like my toes, you know, start moving my toe and then I can move the rest of my body. Um, or, or when I was a child, what I would do is just imagine four angels standing at the posts of my bed and just doing that actually would give me the ability to wake up and to move. But, um, in this particular situation, he was at the window and I was looking at him and just in the next moment, his face was right in front of my face. Um, you know, and here I am laying on my side and and here's his face. And it was, it was vibrating, um, kind of like moving back and forth, like something you would see in a horror movie. Um, and yeah, that, that's probably the most memorable. I don't know if you're aware of this, but I've had sleep paralysis as well. And my experience is very similar to yours, actually. Again, like you, I was staying at a friend's house. We'd been out and I was sleeping on his couch. Uh, and I was sleeping next to a window and I heard a banging at the window and looked out the window and saw somebody looking back to me, a kind of hooded figure looking back at me. And then I woke up and I thought, oh God, that was a dream. And then I realised I couldn't move and I looked in the corner of the living room that I was staying in and the figure was then sitting in a chair looking at me and then moved and went to jump on my chest. So it sounds very similar to your to that experience that you're describing. There's slight differences, but I I I know actually while I was listening to you, I kind of did remind me of that that feeling of not being able to move and how you get yourself out of it. It really that really struck with me. So it it actually went on your chest because for me. It never spoke to me. And I've, I've talked to people who have had sleep paralysis experiences where they heard voices. Um, unless I've blocked it out, I never heard any voices. I did used to have it a lot, though. Um, and it never touched me. So I'm, I'm curious, like, did you actually feel like pressure on your chest? Because I, I have heard people see that, too. Yeah, I did feel pressure on my chest. And 
it, it was it was that moment where I I think I really started to panic and um, started to really try and get myself out of it. But I think the weirdest thing was, like you said, I kind of knew I wasn't dreaming at that stage. I knew I was awake, but it was like when I pulled myself out of it because I'd never experienced anything like that before. I I basically went. Oh God! It was it. It was one of those kind of horror movie dreams where you're having a dream and then you wake up and then you wake up again and then you realise. But I remember I was really distressed for months afterwards because I knew it was something different to that. Um, and for me, I saw a documentary on sleep paralysis, which explained how sometimes it can work. You know, whereas the, it, it, it's a random thing, just a slight misfiring in your brain. But I think your subconscious is engaged as as well as your conscious. So this is why you can hallucinate and see things. But I think we, me and Ben, we pointed out on the podcast we did on the Hatman and sleep paralysis, the odd thing is the similarities in what people see. So I get that there is a scientific explanation for this and I guess that, you know, I get that you can hallucinate, but people tend to hallucinate at least very similar things, which always surprises me. Right, right. And and for me, like, I, I completely resonate with what you're saying about thinking, okay, this is a trick of the mind, you know, this is just something that's um, our subconscious or you're not fully woken up and you're still kind of dreaming. Um, I think that, you know, and, and this used to happen to me and I kind of put it behind me and as I, but um, what's significant too with my experience is that when I was in college, I had just met my um, first husband who I went on, you know, to get married and I have had my daughter with and um, he'd come over to my apartment and it was late and he was driving home and he heard a voice and the voice, and I've asked him about it since, um, you know, I was like, is it, was it just the same volume as what was in your head or was it kind of louder? And he said it, it kind of took over, it pushed its way in and it was an uncomfortable feeling. And this voice told him, leave her alone. She belongs to me. And he grew up in a very religious family. Or, sorry, he just told it, um, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ, leave. Leave her alone. She doesn't belong to you. And that was, you know, about 12 years ago. And I haven't had it since. Wow. And he didn't tell me about it at the time. He was scared, too, because we had just met. We had maybe been dating for three months at that point. And it wasn't until months later, because I, I used to have this so frequently. It wasn't until months later when I said, I haven't had sleep paralysis in a while, that he actually came and, and told me his story, what had happened to him in the car. Do you think that the, those two experiences are related? Do you think that this was some sort of, uh, like we've said before, and when I've spoken about um, shadow people and stuff before, I try not to say, demonic entity because i think that puts quite a lot of um sort of religious connotations around it but if we're going to speak in those terms do you think it was a demonic entity that was coming through that was also causing that other phenomena i mean i wondered you know of course i i re-examined stuff that i did as a child i was home alone a lot my mom had a restaurant and um she would go out there and i would stay home during the summer and just kind of chill and uh you know, I was always interested in paranormal stuff as a kid. And so like, 
I would pretend play, you know, oh, I'm going to go mix all of the shampoos into a little thing and like make a potion to put around the house and, you know, like kid stuff. Yeah. But I, I wonder that I open myself up to something without realizing it for sure. Um, and that kind of too brings me back to that other experience that I had because now I wonder um, since that's the most vivid memory that um, I have probably as a child of, um, well, I'll, you know, I'll go ahead and I'll just tell what happens. Yeah. Tell that story. That'd be great. So I, I was, um, I was in my childhood bedroom and, and the house we lived in, I kind of reference it because I was in that room. And then when my sister went off to college, I kind of temporarily moved into the loft and then I took over her room later. So I was young because I was still in this um, first bedroom in the house. And I used to always sleep in the nightlight. And I, um, cause I, I was terrified of the dark. And I woke up one night and I just had this like dread. I had this feeling that something was there. And I put my covers over my face and I laid there and I had this conversation with myself about, um, you know, part of me is saying, there's nothing there. You're, you know, being crazy. It's, you're just scared for no reason. You know, you've got the light on, it's okay. And then this other part of me is thinking, if there's something there, this thing that I'm feeling, and I'm here just laying under the covers, hiding from it, like who's to say it's not gonna come closer. It's not gonna come get me. And so I finally got enough courage to put the covers down and look out. And from my bed, I could see the, I had the door open and um, I could see the top of the stairs. And there was probably like this four foot section where it was, you know, banister. And through the um, banister, I could see this figure standing and he was wearing a suit and he had a normal face. It was like a scary man face. And his head was orange and he was glowing and, and his head, I remember the shape of it. It, it kind of came to a point. And so when I, you know, told this story to, to friends and stuff, I've always called him the carrot head man. But um, now as I, I look back on it, you know, I've, I've seen different things referencing gin that kind of look like that with, um, you know, the glowing face. Although the pictures I've seen, it's a little more of fiery versus glow. I saw something that, that glowed orange. Um, I've had people say, well, maybe it was a fae, you know, some sort of fairy creature. But um, yeah, so I, I sat up and I saw this thing and I choked for a second. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't scream. I couldn't do anything. And I finally got the breath to scream. And I found out later that my mother woke up and she was hitting my dad. She's like, wake up, you know, Mel, something's wrong with Melanie. Um, but I didn't even wait. I, I took agency and I ran and I ran out my door past this thing, which I, I continued to see as I ran past it and into my parents' room. And I saw it up until the moment I turned and I looked back and it was gone. So like when I think about this experience, experience versus the paranormal, um, you know, sleep paralysis experience, um, I was awake. I was awake enough that I screamed and, you know, my parents heard it. It's not like I was asleep and screaming, you know, in my sleep. And, you know, I've wondered 
is this what began my sleep paralysis? Because that's that's the earliest memory I have of anything strange happening. And then I had the sleep paralysis for 20 years. And then I met my husband. He banished it and it just stopped. It's interesting because that initial description, it's almost alien in a way. It's It almost sounds like when people talk about alien abduction that that sort of also fits into that category did that ever cross your mind that that might be part of this no no and and like i said you know when i revisited you know because i'm a stay-at-home mom and i've got a lot of time on my hands and um this is a subject that really interests me and so you know, I read all sorts of stuff on the internet and I get on Clubhouse and I talk to people. But no, I I, I wasn't interested in aliens as a kid and I had never put it in that category. Interesting. But but that, that being looked different to every other being that you then saw going forward. That was that was a unique experience. The other things I saw, they were just like a shadow people. They they weren't they didn't have a face. They were figures. And did you, on the other people that you saw, did you have, could you make out detail? Were they, did they always look the same? Like you, you said that this first experience, they were wearing a suit. Did you, uh, you know, could you describe clothing of the, the your sleep paralysis? No. People you saw, it's, it's more of a blur, it sounds like. Yes, a black figure. And and when you say a, a scary face, you you mean like a quintessential scary human face rather than something that looked paranormal? Like as a child, you know, if you see a guy who just looks really mean and, you know, has that kind of like angry face on, that that's what it looked like. And it, it didn't move. Its face didn't change. You know, I looked at it and it just looked back at me and... I screamed and ran to my parents. And uh, did your parents see anything or they just, they just heard you, did they? They didn't see anything. Yeah. They didn't. No. Oh, and and how did they react to did you tell them what you'd seen? Oh yeah, yeah, I told them but you know, they thought that I was just a kid seeing things. Yeah. It's actually funny that this whole subject has has come up because this is kind of an offshoot but um I live with my husband and my friend, and she has two kids. And her son just yesterday um, saw a figure in the house. And he's 11, and he's never talked about any of this stuff before. And I, you know, and I wonder to myself, too, like, am I re-inviting it in? Because I've been very careful in researching, you know, the paranormal. and But I've been very careful to not say, hey, I want to experience something paranormal, everything come in. You know, I, I've been very careful to say, if I connect with anything, I only want to connect with something of light and of benevolence and, um, you know, love. So, but yeah, um, I was home alone with him yesterday and he was doing some chores and he looked up and he saw a figure and he said it disappeared. And I said, well, did you look away and you look back and it was gone? And he said, no, I watched it leave. And so it was funny, his mom came home and, and saged the whole house because uh, she's worried about it and she used to see things. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that I'm not re-inviting this stuff back in by talking about it. And and so do you, it's interesting what you say, do you feel that that is something that is coming in with you as people rather than something that exists with the property? Well, this house, it's, I'm 34. This house was born the same year I was. And the people who lived in it before um, they lived here until we bought it, the husband passed away from natural causes. He was older and uh, then his, his widow sold the house and moved out. So yeah, I don't think there is anything connected to the house um, unless it was him maybe. But uh, you know, when I, when I was a kid, I I told you I had that nightlight. I was very scared of the dark Um, and I'm not anymore. And, and that kind of, ended for me maybe after I stopped having the sleep paralysis where now I'd actually prefer it to be completely black. You know, I don't like the light coming in. It, it disrupts my sleep. But um, when I was a child, I couldn't sleep without the light. So I think like for my own, what I'm trying to say by that is that um, my inner peace is still there with the lights off in this house. So, uh, you know, I, if it is something, I don't think it's anything bad. So sort of supplementary question to that then, um, you described sort of the moment where you felt like it, that like um, whatever it was, the entity had, you used the word banished, but it, it, it had ceased to, to bother you. Your interest now in the paranormal, do you think that it is those earlier experiences that have sparked it? Are you looking for a solution to what it was that was that was around you um well i'd kind of written it off as you know a trick of the mind um as something that was just my consciousness playing tricks on me as a child and the more that i dive into the ufo phenomenon and um just the more i learn about it the more i question so you mentioned the ufo phenomena is that because because the ufo phenomena is associated with the hat man certainly but it's also obviously associated with alien abduction and men in black and all of that and potentially that sort of ominous feeling that one gets is that are there various bits of um ufo law that you particularly identify with are there bits that you've read from other people that you think do you know what? That is absolutely my experience. No, it, it's never, I've never connected it to UFOs. I, I haven't. And, and the more I read about UFOs, the more that I'm interested in, in the spiritual. It's nice to just focus on the experience or stories, which I think that, you know, you guys are really great for. Another one of the reasons that I listen to you, um, because you can hear truth in, in some people's voices. You know, I think that that's really where I'm going with it. Um, it's interesting then. Let's move on to UFOs because I know you've sent us some UFO material. And I'd like to talk to you about that um, from your point of view rather than me interpreting it. But what is kind of interesting for me about your interest there that you sort of associate um, UFOs with spirituality? I think there were a sort of over the years, I've come to realize that there are a number of different ways of looking at the UFO phenomena. There is almost, 
on one side it's the nuts and bolts these are craft flying around that's almost what you get from the USS Nimitz kind of footage that there is you know there's, there's a thought that there is another intelligence somewhere which has a factory which is you know welding these things together and then very much at the other end of the scale there is um, a point of view that these things are manifestations of something else they're either thought forms or they are representations of you know a, a spiritual representation i struggle to put it into words because i'm not exactly sure how to describe it but it feels like you might be coming at it you might be approaching this phenomena from that point of view that you think that these things perhaps they're less nuts and bolts craft flying into our airspace they might be representing another intelligence do you think or they're representing a facet of human intelligence where where do you lie on that well and, and i've never seen a ufo myself um you know i'm looking i go out and i i look up but um you know i don't claim to talk to extraterrestrials like i said i haven't even seen a, a ufo but i keep an open mind for it because um I mean, I, I think we have to, especially with everything that's that's happening lately, you know, with the, the, the government disclosure, which seems to be going much slower than anybody wants it to, who's interested in the subject. But yeah. then on the other hand, you have people that, that just don't even take it up as, as an idea. You know, you've got two types of people. You've got the person that goes, ah, well, maybe it's real, but I'm just going to go on with my day. And then you've got the person who's like, oh, well, maybe it's real and I'm going to go look into this. Um, and I think, you know, majority of, peop of people, even my husband, he's like, yeah, you know, if, if a UFO landed on our lawn, I'd still have to go to work. So, <laughs> you know, that that's his opinion about it. So can we, just can we go back to, uh, I just had a couple of things I wanted to ask about. Uh, do we call him the carrot man? Is that what you called him when you were a child? The carrot man? carrot-headed man um and then your later experiences of sleep paralysis so you think do you think there is a connection between what you saw with the carrot head and your what happened with you in sleep paralysis because they sound like very different things visually but you feel there is a connection between them i didn't used to but but now I wonder, I don't know if that's a, a futile question just because, you know, I, I can never know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I don't know what that first thing was. It was such a strange thing. And, and just for the record, I liked vegetables as a child. It wasn't some crazy dream that I was having because I didn't want to eat my carrots. No. I... And you can see in the dark. So that's a double win, right? With the carrots. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the other question I had about the sleep paralysis, because obviously there is there there is evidence of sleep paralysis being a natural phenomenon, nothing paranormal, and that your subconscious is engaged at the time, so you 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 can hallucinate. I think it has. Some people have also connected it to, uh, as Ben was talking earlier about, to alien abductions, because I think scientifically, like some people can have be in that state for hours right even potentially a couple of days i think is the longest people have been in there um but you seem well averse with that side of sleep paralysis but you, you would say it was something 
different to that. It wasn't just something, a misfiring and you hallucinating. You think there was something more to it? Definitely. And and partially because I would have it at least every two to three months. Right. Um, yeah, I would just wake up and it, it'd be there. And I got so good at those like coping mechanisms. Like when, if I was laying next to my, um, you know, uh, ex-husband, I'd like hyperventilate just to get him to wake me up. Like, so, I mean, I would be there and, and present and, and lucid and, and it just, um, yeah, I, there would be no reason that I would want to terrify myself either. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have like approached the subject of, you know, energy vampires or ETs being some sort of energy vampires. And a lot of these stories that people tell about sleep paralysis it almost seems like it's it's just an exercise in getting somebody worked up so that you can you know feed off of that energy. Yeah, I, I mean, I do I do think it's fascinating that people do see very similar things, and even listening to your experience seems very similar to mine. So I do I do find that very odd. Um, yeah, the other question I had about your ex husband and hearing the voices was that when he heard the voice this this person saying to leave you alone or this thing saying to leave you alone what was he sleeping at the time or was he was that a waking incident he was driving home he was driving wow. home from my apartment and he was alone in the car and um he heard the voice inside his head and i, I asked him you know was it outside was it inside and he said no it was in my head it felt very uncomfortable it felt like an intrusion and i told it to leave um, and, and I asked later because somebody asked me, they were like, well, was it the same volume or was it like louder than his own thoughts? And his response was, well, it was louder than my own thoughts, but, um, I just have kind of tried not to think about it. So he, he had this experience. And until I asked him about it, um, a few months ago again, and he really did, it was so jarring for him that he just took it and, and put it in the back of his head and mm-hmm. had not thought about it until I asked him mm-hmm. about it again recently. Wow. That's amazing. And you had no, and that's when the experience is stopped. Yeah, no, I have never, I haven't had it since. Well, whatever was going on or whatever happened, I'm, I'm pleased for you. You're not having those experiences anymore. Mm. Um, mm. And, uh, and that they, they, you're finding some peace with where you are. That's great. Yeah. Interestingly, when you were talking about um, Carrot Head, Peter reminded me of um, Sam the Sandan Clown in a way. Yeah, yeah. And Have you heard that story? Mm-mm. We did an episode about five, six, seven back. It's called Sam the Sandan Clown. Have a listen to that. It's a British story about some kids who came across this strange almost comical creature would you say mm. Ben yeah yeah um, who look, who's very David Bowie like I think we said like David, yeah Ziggy Stardust, he looks, David he looks Bowie. like a harlequin yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and um he he's got a straight he he's got a strange sort of well it's almost like a TARDIS that he's living in um and when they say are you a ghost? He says, in a way I am, but no. It 
is such a such a peculiar encounter. But his the the uh, the strangeness of his looks made me think about the strangeness of the character you saw. So he comes over as really really friendly, but he but that that whole sort of it's almost comical, isn't it? Having a glowing orange head, like what? It's almost like that entity wants to portray itself in a particular way to you, whether it's a screen memory, whether it's, um, you, you know, it's manifesting it itself. But it seems like what creature in the world looks like an angry man with a, an orange glowing head? It, it's it's the same as what creature in the world dresses like a Harlequin clown yeah. and lives in a strangely painted hut in the middle of um, the plains. It's just such a weird thing. I've never considered that it might be a screen memory before, but but also partially because I I know I moved. I know I got up, and I distinctly remember running yeah. to my parents' room. I ran right past it. I was completely terrified. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it could be something you know that was just put there, and and who's to say that all the times that I had sleep paralysis, I didn't have some sort of you know. I guess missing time while I was asleep or like maybe, maybe that was the end of something. And it was just kind of the screen memory that was put there. And, uh, and again, is it trickster? Is it, what is it? It's, it's absolutely insane. It's a crazy stuff going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So to finish off, has it, has any of what you've learned changed your, your worldview. I don't think it's any secret that my I I lean towards that we're living in a simulation. What 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 do you lean towards? I don't think we're living in a simulation. I think um, I just think there's things that we can't sense. I mean, it's kind of like sharks in the ocean that you know can sense those magnetic signals, the electromagnetic signals from miles away. I just think we don't have the senses to to see some of these things i'm going with a carrot conspiracy that it's 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 carrot manufacturers it's all it's all down to them that's what i'm going with so because uh, nobody wants their vegetables yeah i was gonna say it's the paranormal vegetable theory <laughs> well i'm just i'm really pleased that you're not having those experiences anymore for whatever reason you're not having them or have them in the first place i'm glad they're not uh you still you don't have those anymore so that's good that's good for me well yeah and thank you guys for having me on you know i really i sent you my story just because you guys seem to be collecting them you know um i just wanted to give you another one to throw it out there i swear that it's true from my perspective you know that's brilliant melanie thank you so much for that that's really really lovely to chat what is fascinating is that that line between reality and paranormal is it's really towed by um, when we talk about the uh, sleep paralysis phenomena because a lot of scientific minds would blame, for example, alien abduction on the on. Uh, on sleep paralysis yeah and also people talk about 
uh, like the abductions by fairy folk as sleep paralysis. And then we also, like we know from when we spoke about the hat man, people talk about that as sleep paralysis. And I think that sleep paralysis, although it is obviously a real thing, I think there might be a number of things going on there. I think some of it might be like uh, medical and some of it might be less medical and more paranormal. I don't know. I really genuinely don't know. But like you say, it's very interesting to have her bring her stories on here and just talk really openly about them. I think it's quite refreshing to have just an open chat about them without yeah. any judgment. It doesn't really matter like whether whether you think they're sleep paralysis, whether you think that she's experienced something paranormal. It doesn't it, it, in a way it doesn't really matter because those experiences are very real to her. And I think yeah, that is the essence of this. Yes, yeah. that is what is so crucial about all of these things. Whatever you've experienced when you report it, it's it's really important that people sort of don't laugh at it. They they take it as this is something that has affected you. Whether it is, you know, what her experiences are, seeing shadow people, or whether it is seeing a ufo whether it is seeing sam the sandan clown you can't uh you know as a society we can't just laugh at these people and dismiss them we have to engage with it and work out what is going on and i think her stories sort of embody the essence of what our podcast is about which is listening to people who have experienced things that are very real to them not judging them and opening it up to goodness me this world is more curious than we can imagine i I agree with you ben i think what what's fascinating what really struck me actually when we were talking to melanie was her description of her sleep paralysis experience how closely that elements of it strongly related to my own experience now, I don't necessarily think that my experience was paranormal, but it is weird that people do, you know, if you're hallucinating because of, you know, the scientific thing of being in sleep paralysis, you know from your dreams, your dreams go all over the place, right? We don't all dream yeah. the same thing. What I do think is odd about the sleep paralysis, and there may be a a sound scientific and psychological explanation for it, but... People, including Melanie, including myself, see very similar things. And yeah. I do find that intriguing and bizarre. Again, it's like a lot that we do on the podcast. It's like, well, there's a logical explanation about it, but that bit of it's a bit weird. Fascinating. And it was, I think that's the first time actually for me I've ever spoken to anybody who's experienced something similar to me. So I found it really fascinating I'm, I'm really pleased for melanie that uh it stopped for her for whatever reason yeah. it stopped for her yeah um and that uh she's had some peace from it which is fantastic but if anyone's out there and does want to uh, share their stories uh like melanie did you know get in contact with us on facebook at tqm podcast drop us a line or on twitter at tqm podcast 
uh, and let us know if you got a story because, uh, like like Ben said, it was the first time we'd actually uh, spoken to a listener who had a story. So uh, yeah, it'd be good to do more of those, right? Yeah, it totally would. And I think what's also interesting is because her story felt like a continuation of what we'd done around the hat man. But if you've got a story which is, you know, you feel like it might be unique or no one else has shared it, perhaps you've been embarrassed about sharing it, I would say the first thing is, you know, if you've listened to us for the past 78 episodes, you know that we are not judgmental in any way. But also... It might be that we might be able to investigate some stories which are similar to yours, which might give a bit of validation to what it is that you're experiencing. I I can't promise anything because, you know, we're just humans with the power of, like, the internet and some books and a vivid curiosity. But, like... If, if you've been worried about sharing your story and you think there might be more to it, give us a shout and, you know, you've certainly got a very sympathetic and unjudgmental pair of ears here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So get that, get those coming in. We'd, we'd love to hear those. Um, and, yeah, well, I, I really enjoyed talking to Melanie. It was really interesting. Yeah. And once again... Melanie, thank you uh, for coming on and sharing your story and or stories. Absolutely. All right. Well, we will um, we'll catch you next time on the Quantum Mechanics. Like and subscribe. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. the quantum mechanics